Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Morning, everybody. Well, I'm rejoicing this morning because last night I opened my back door and I heard the first spring peeper of the year. For those of you who don't know what those are, it's a little tiny frog and makes a sound like beep, beep, beep. And that's, that's a sign that spring is here. So I don't care how cold it is, spring is here. There's a spring peeper in my backyard. So, <laughs> All right, good morning. Uh, my name's Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I need some, since, since the five-year-olds and up are in here, I need, I need like five kids to come up to, to the front to, to help me out with something. Uh, if, if five kids, if, well, if your parents allow you to come up just for a minute, five kids can, five, maybe six at the moment, five, six? <laughs> okay, wait, wait, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, that's enough right there, all right, that's probably... Probably more than... Okay, stay down here. I'll come down. Stay down on the ground here. Let's all get down on the floor because this is important. I, I don't know if... Uh, all right, you, you guys all stand down here. Come get down on the floor. And you have to look at me because I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, so <laughs> I said five. All right. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you guys a question. I want you, is, is anyone, if any one of you can tell me for sure something that I'm going to do in the next minute, can, you, can any of you tell me something that you know I'm going to do in the next minute? What's that? Can you tell me? Oh, okay, you're just nodding. Okay, anybody tell me something? Okay. Because I'm going to do something in the next minute, and I, I just wanted to know if any of you can tell the future. No. No. No, none of you can tell the future. Okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Just going to do something real quick here to celebrate spring being here. I don't have quite enough of these, probably. But each one take one of these. And when I say go, you will blow into them because we're going to celebrate springs here. We're going to celebrate. These are not quite what a... These are, these are not quite what a spring peeper sounds like. Um, sorry, I don't have... Sorry, uh, there's only one more. I'm sorry. Okay, now when I give the message... See, you didn't know I was going to do this. Alright, ready? Go! Keep blowing, keep blowing. Happy spring! Happy spring! Okay, alright. Okay, you can stop. Stop. Now, now, you guys can keep those, but don't blow them while I'm speaking this morning. You, when, wait till you get home if your moms and dads allow you to blow them. Okay, thank you for helping me. Can we give these kids a... All right. <laughs> All right. You can go back and sit down now to your mom and dad or wherever you're sitting. 
Uh, where's, where's Bill Bennett? Bill, sorry. <laughs> Bill is our uh, custodian, and I bet he was rejoicing to see all these stars uh, littering the floor. All right. Well, the reason I did that is because it's, a, it's some kind of an illustration, hopefully. I knew what I was going to do. But nobody else except for my wife would have known that I was going to do that. None of the kids knew. None of you knew. If you did, I'm surprised. No, nobody but me knew that we were going to do that. Except God knew I was going to do it, obviously. God knows every single thing that will happen. God knows what's going to happen in the next ten minutes. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow, ten years from now. You know, even though I knew what I was going to do, there was no real guarantee that that was going to happen because I'm not in control of my life or the future. I was hoping to do that. I knew what I wanted to do, but only God knows what He is going to do and nothing can stop God from doing it. And He knows what's going to happen 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 and, and 1,000 years from now. And so, the question I would start with is, are you ever tempted to be fearful about the future? We can, we can be tempted to be fearful about the future of our nation, or our children, or our finances. We can't predict the future. I was thinking about 9-11. 2001, 9-11. Who could have predicted that. Yet Jesus, in our passage this morning, Jesus predicted a tragedy, something, something that the disciples would have found mind-boggling. He predicted it 39 years before it happened. And I was thinking 2001 minus 39, I would, that would have been 1962. I would have been 12 years old. I could never have fathomed we can't fathom the future, but Jesus, in our passage this morning, will see that He predicts the future. It did happen. He is God. Only God knows the future. Only God can say something will happen and then bring it about. And so one of the main things that we want to see this morning is that Jesus is God, but He also wants us to trust Him knowing that He's God. That as we know that Jesus knows the future, He wants us to keep our eyes on Him. And so, He says at the end of Mark 13, which we're going to look at in a minute, is stay awake. Stay awake. Now, if you fall asleep while I'm preaching, that's not exactly what He's talking about. It's, and I understand it's a nice, comfortable chair, warm room, droning from the front. So just feel free. <laughs> but... When I say stay awake, I'm not calling you out or anything like that. Jesus tells us, though, that we should stay awake no matter what happens in history, no matter what happens, and He tells the disciples this, and keep our eyes on Him and trust in Him because He also foretells good news that's going to happen. He foretells good things that are going to happen, and we need to keep our eyes open and wait for those good things as well. So, the title of this morning's message is Stay Awake. It's from Mark 13, and we're, in the end we'll focus on verse 35 and 36. Jesus says, Therefore, stay awake. 
For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, my disciples at the time, I say to all, us, stay awake. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we pray that this message from Your Word, that You would, by Your Holy Spirit, that You would strengthen us and encourage us and prepare us for whatever we face in life. And help us, Lord, to remember to always keep our eyes on You. And to know that You are God and You are in control of all things and that You have good in store for Your people, for those who trust in You. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord. Help us in Jesus' name. So this, we're going to look at Mark 13. We're going to work our way through it. And first of all, I just want to thank Joe Ryer who gave me this passage because it's one of the most challenging passages in the Bible. has some of the most challenging things like the abomination of desolation. And it's on the Sunday when five-year-olds and up are here. So, um, thank you, Joe. <laughs> um, first of all, we're going to look at how Jesus foretells the future. God knows the future. And so, it says, verse 1, as He came out of the temple, Jesus had been in the temple with His disciples... It says, as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Now the temple in Jerusalem was constructed of white marble and the blocks were huge. The blocks were, as one commentator said, of a prodigious size. And the historian Josephus says that these stones were some of them 50 feet long, 24 feet broad, 16 feet in thickness. So as the disciples come out of the temple, they're looking at these massive, white, marble, glorious-looking stones. And what's interesting is just before Mark chapter 13, if you flip back to Mark 12, the very last thing that happens in the temple is Jesus and His disciples had observed a widow putting two tiny coins into the box worth a penny in our kind of currency compared to all these people who are bringing all these big offerings and wealth and pouring money into the offering box. And this widow probably feeling ashamed. And it's interesting that Rodney had the word this morning about small beginnings. This widow brings two little coins worth a penny and puts them in. And Jesus said, this woman put in more than everybody else. Because what matters is not the riches of the world, but the heart. And you need to be more impressed with someone who is, whose heart is after the Lord than someone who has all the wealth and success in the world. And so he says, don't be impressed by riches. Don't be impressed by wealth. They walk right out of the temple and go, wow! Look at this incredible building. I can imagine Jesus saying, what did I just tell these guys? So it's ironic that he has to, he, he has to tell them don't put your hope and confidence in this world. 
Don't put your hope. And so the first thing Jesus says to his disciples and to us is we should not live for this world. Nothing is going to last. Now, God has blessed us with many good things. God has blessed us with so many blessings, especially in this nation. I mean, if you if you own a home, if you own a car, I mean, he's he's blessed us, kids. If you have a computer you can use, if you have toys, I mean, God blesses us. But He's telling us, don't live for this world because none of it's going to last. And He says, these stones, looks like nothing could ever knock them down. They look impregnable. It's not going to last. And so, He's saying, don't live for this world. In Matthew 6, it's, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what the widow had done. She was laying up treasures in heaven. Whereas all the rest of the people putting their money in for show were, were trying to get earthly glory. And so now Jesus is saying, this temple, no matter how strong it looks, it's not going to last. Now I want to thank Joe again because I had to do all kinds of historical research this week. The, the original temple in Jerusalem was built by Solomon around 1000 B.C. It was destroyed then by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, around 600 B.C. So the original temple Solomon made in all its glory, 400 years approximately, Persia then conquered Babylon about 50 years later. And a couple years after that, Cyrus then allowed the Jews who were in captivity to return and build the second temple. And that's in the book of Ezra. And as they started to build it, the Bible in Ezra 3 says, many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house that Solomon made, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid because this second temple that they were building was not that great. It was very modest. It wasn't glorious. It was just you know, an average kind of temple. And so the people who knew of Solomon's temple, they were just like grieving when they saw this, this small little foundation being laid. But then when Rome captured Jerusalem around 60 B.C., 20 years later, after, after they had captured around 40 B.C., Rome appointed Herod, you know that name, Herod, to be king of Judea. And this was Herod the Great. This was the Herod that was alive when Jesus was born, who the three magi came to, and he, he wanted to have them find Jesus in Bethlehem. And then his real plan was to kill Jesus because he didn't want another king to take his place. This is the Herod who ordered the, the killing of all the children, the boys, males, two years and old and younger in Bethlehem to be killed so that it, he would kill the Messiah that the, the three magi came to see. This is that Herod. He's, he was partly Jewish under Roman rule appointed by Rome to be king of the Jews, and he started to refurbish 
the temple. And he, he refurbished it magnificently. It wasn't even finished in Jesus' day. But it was this Herod that had started to, to refurbish this temple with these incredible marble stones. And so the disciples, when they came out, they see these massive stones. Now, I also need to say that Jerusalem, the, the Jewish nation, was living under Roman rule, but they were at peace with Rome. They didn't necessarily like Rome, but they were at peace with Rome. And so they couldn't imagine how this temple was going to be torn down. First of all, it's such an incredible building. Now we're living at peace with Rome. And Rome, I also read in studying history, Rome never did like to destroy temples when they invaded new countries. So they couldn't even imagine how could that temple ever be torn down. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that would not be thrown down. So, this, first of all, this thing tells us Jesus is saying, don't live for this world. And He's also telling us that He is God. Jesus predicted and foretold. He wasn't guessing he was foretelling something that seemed impossible that didn't happen until A.D. 70. The temple was destroyed because at A.D. 66, the Jews who had lived under complete peace with the Rome, Roman Empire... Now, remember when Jesus is speaking, it's near the time He was going to die in around A.D. 31... He, this AD 31, AD 66 is way off. When, this, when Jews would revolt and AD 70 is 39 years away when the temple would be destroyed. So the disciples, their mind has got to be blown. But this is because Jesus is God. He wasn't just guessing. He wasn't just guessing, well, I know we're at peace with Rome now, but I think someday we might rebel. No, he knew that that temple would be destroyed. And so he is, he is saying, I'm in control of history. I know the future. And so that tells us Jesus knows my future. Jesus knows your future. Jesus knows every single thing in our lives. He is in control. That should give you and me great peace. We don't know the future, but Jesus does. And He is going to take care of all who turn to Him and all who believe in Him and all who trust in Him. He will take care of you and me in our future. He knows. He's not surprised by anything. Things surprise us, don't they? I never could have imagined different things that would happen in my life. But they're not a surprise to Jesus. He's in control. And He foretells this to the disciples. And He says, now because I'm in control of the future, stay awake. Keep your eyes on Me when things happen that you're not expecting. Keep your eyes on Me when the temple falls down and is destroyed by, by Rome. Keep your eyes on Me in the midst of tragedies and hard times. And so Jesus is saying, keep your eyes on me because I know the future and I'm in control of the future. Stay awake. 
So Jesus foretells several different things. He, he, first of all, he foretells deception. He says there's going to be false prophets coming. This is later now. They're sitting on top of the Mount of Olives and they're looking down on the temple. And so the disciples ask him, it's on verse 3 it says, And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? They're asking him about the destruction of the temple. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in My name saying, I am He, and they will lead many astray. So Jesus is saying the first thing that's going to happen is there's going to be false prophets in the world. And so in, in, in the book of Mark, 13, the same chapter down at verse 22, he says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Be on guard. I've told you all things beforehand. In other words, stay awake. Keep your eyes on Me. Don't be distracted by false prophets. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. And that... Jesus' words happened. Happened in the book of Acts. So we see in Acts chapter 8, it says, there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. So the people of Samaria were paying attention to a false prophet when the apostles came in and said, no, you want to get your eyes on Jesus. It happened later in Acts 13. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So Jesus predicted, there's going to be people who are going to turn, try to turn you away from the faith. Stay awake. Keep your eyes on Me. Jesus foretold tribulation or really hard times. He says there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, verse 7, and when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, he's not talking about the end of the world here. He's talking about the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem. He's saying the end of Jerusalem, the end of the temple. That's, he's not talking about the end of the world in this place. So he's saying there's going to be wars. And there were. And actually, like I said earlier, in A.D. 66, the Jews rose up against Rome in the Great Revolt. And in A.D. 70, Jerusalem fell to Rome. And then they destroyed the temple. Jesus said there's going to be earthquakes. He said there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pangs. And before the temple was destroyed, there were earthquakes. 
The day Jesus died, it says Matthew 27, 51, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Later on in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas, it says, were praying and singing hymns to God. They're in prison. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Now, historians also recorded at least five other earthquakes in the world before the temple was destroyed. Jesus, Jesus knows the future. He says there's going to be earthquakes. But when, there, when you hear about wars, don't get, don't get fearful. Keep your eyes on Me. When false prophets arise, don't get drawn into them. Keep your eyes on Me. Stay awake. Even if there are earthquakes, keep your eyes on Me. He says there will be famines. Verse 8, there will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. And in Acts chapter 11, says one of them, the prophet, one, this is one of the prophets who came from Jerusalem to Antioch, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And that happened before the destruction of the temple. Jesus said there's going to be persecution. He says, be on your guard. They will deliver you over to councils. You'll be beaten in synagogues. You'll stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And then in verse 12, brother will deliver brother over to death. The father is child. Children will rise against parents. Have them put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this happened. Peter and John were called before the Sanhedrin. James and Peter were called before Herod. Paul stood before Nero, the emperor, as well as Roman governors. He stood before Gallio, Felix, Festus. Some were beaten. Read the book of Acts. Peter and John were beaten. Paul and Silas were beaten. And Jesus says, guys, you're going to be beaten you're going to suffer, but keep your eyes on Me. And that's an encouragement to us. No matter what we go through in life. And life is hard at times. Jesus never promised us an easy life with no problems. But He says when you go through hard times, no matter what they are, keep your eyes on Me. Because I'm in control of the future. So this is, this is one of the encouragements that Jesus wants us to know. He knows the future. He knew all these things that were going to happen. He knows your future. He knows my future. That gives me great confidence and rest. I don't have to know the future. I wish I did at times. Other times it's probably better that we don't. But he goes on. And he talks about this thing called the abomination of desolation. I thought, thank you, Joe, for letting me talk about the abomination of desolation to five-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, Jesus, remember, Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple. He's talking about what He said to the disciples about one stone being torn, all these stones being torn down. So He says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he 
ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And he's just basically talking about there's going to be a terrible time happen. And flee if you are able to do that. Now, the abomination of desolation, which Daniel prophesied about, signifies the Roman armies coming into the temple with their images of their idols on their shields and their standards. And these armies were an abomination to the Jews on account of their idolatry. And these Roman armies caused desolation wherever they went. So, when he says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it shouldn't be, he just meant when you see the Roman armies standing in the center of Jerusalem, where they shouldn't be, the territory of Jerusalem generally, which was termed holy ground, he's, he's going to say, then he says, God, for the sake of those the elect whom He chose has shortened those days. They're going to be so terrible. They're going to be so horrible. They're going to be the worst thing that has ever happened on the face of the earth. And because of the children in here, I'm not going to describe some of the onslaught that I read historically happened, but it was, it was probably, you know, I thought to myself, well, does that compare to Hitler or Stalin or whatever? But it was, it was actually very horrible what happened, what the Romans did. And so, Jesus said, if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect whom He chose, He shortened the days. In other words, He, he thought, if, if God had not been in control of history, if God had not shortened the days, even people who believed would have lost their faith. But God's in control even of that. And so God is protecting His people. God is caring for the ones who believed in Him, even in the hardest of times. God is concerned for those who have turned to Him. Now, it's not all bad news that Jesus predicts. He also predicts and foretells good news. He says the Gospel will be proclaimed in all the world. The Gospel, which means good news, will be proclaimed in all the world. And in verse 10, he says, And the Gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Now, thinking about... Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple. He is talking about what one commentary said. This literally took place as far as the inhabited world was concerned at that time. That's what Jesus was talking about. And so, we see the, the then-known world, the world at the time, in the book of Acts. It's really incredible. I had not even thought about this. In the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing the disciples speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear 
each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Jesus said the gospel must be proclaimed in all nations. These people would have left. They were, they were not there permanently. They would have left and gone back to their own nations. Many of them who had gotten saved sharing the gospel. Later, Paul said in Romans 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And then Colossians 1, 5, and 6, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. And those were written before the destruction of Jerusalem in the temple. So the gospel was preached by Paul. Paul went all over the world. Asia Minor, Greece, Crete, Italy, probably Spain and Gaul. And not only that, but Peter and the other disciples went all over the place. All over the then known world. And so that was fulfilled. Jesus was saying the gospel will go out to the whole world as you know it before the destruction of the temple. And then he said, more good news. The gospel, the good news about me is going to go to all people. And it's still happening now. The gospel is still going out all over the world. And there are still people who need to hear the gospel. And more good news. The Holy Spirit would give them words to say when they needed it. And he says, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. More good news. We might think, okay, how, how am I going to do this? Well, how, how am I going to share the gospel? How am I going to, what if I get dragged before? You know, the disciples are thinking the, the, the building comes down persecution, false prophets are going to take me before governors and kings. I'm going to be beaten. What am I going to say about Jesus? Jesus says, stay awake, keep your eyes on me, and the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words. And that's exactly what God did. Acts chapter 4.13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The Holy Spirit. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. I used to, all, in my early days as a Christian, I used to think, what if I don't get this right? What if I say it wrong? Well, I have said it wrong plenty of times. I, I am not always. Uh, you know, we're all weak. Jesus says, don't worry if you feel weak. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you and help you. When God gives you opportunities to speak, don't worry about it. I used to feel condemned if I had an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus and then afterwards I'd think, oh, 
I blew that. I didn't say this. God wants us to just keep our eyes on Jesus and trust that He will give us the words to say. And so I love what this one commentator says. He says, his name is Barnes. He says, the disciples were illiterate, unknown, without power. They were unfit of themselves to make the important statements of religion, which were requisite, but God gave them power. And they spoke with a wisdom, fearlessness, pungency, and ability with which no other men have ever manifested full proof that these illiterate fishermen were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. See, that's one more proof Jesus gives that He is God. I'm going to take these illiterate fishermen and they are going to speak powerfully and convincingly about Me. This, this passage is full of proofs that Jesus is God. He has more good news. So, so he says, good news, the gospel will be proclaimed in the whole world. Good news, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words when you need them. More good news, I'm coming back. I'm coming again. And so he says, in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And this is probably the trickiest part. The commentator says now at this point he, he could be talking, he's probably talking about the end of the age. But he says, because it says, in those days after that tribulation, after the tribulation of everything else that happens, after that tribulation. So now he's speaking. And, and so he says, they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And remember when Jesus ascended to heaven? The disciples are standing there looking up into the clouds after Jesus went bodily into heaven. And an angel came and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? It seems kind of like a dumb question to me. Why? Because, have you ever seen a human being just go up into the clouds? He says, This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. He's going to come in clouds with great power and glory. This is good news! Someday, Jesus will come back. Jesus is going to come with great power and great glory. What a day that will be. And then more good news. Jesus will gather His saints. Verse 27, He says, and He will send out the angels and gather His elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. We don't have time to develop that. But Jesus says that he, he will gather us from the four corners of the earth, from the four winds, all His people. He will gather us together. Whether we are still alive at that time or whether we have passed away, Jesus will gather His people together. That's a promise. And it is as certain to be fulfilled as the destruction of the temple was fulfilled. 
And we don't know when that's going to be. And so Jesus, oh, what a, what a day that will be. When Jesus returns and gathers us together. No more sickness. No more pain. No more death. No more grieving. Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So, keep your eyes on Jesus. That's what He's saying. Jesus is saying, no matter what happens in this earth, no matter what people do to you, no matter what situations, don't take your eyes off Me. Don't forget that I'm going to come back in glory and I'm going to gather you to Myself. Isn't that good news? No matter what you have to go through right now, someday, Jesus is going to gather you to Himself. Wipe away every tear from our eyes. We'll have eternal joy in His presence at the marriage feast of the Lamb with our loved ones who believed in Jesus. What a day that will be. So Jesus says, stay awake. He says, from the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer's near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that He's near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will not pass away. And what commentators said was that the generation that then existed would not pass away without seeing a beginning of the fulfillment of all these things. We don't have time to get into detail on these things, but Jesus said heaven, then He says heaven and earth. This is the thing I want to emphasize. Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will not pass away. So to go back to the beginning where Jesus says, looking at these stones, don't live for this world. This world is going to pass away, but My words will not pass away. So, what Jesus is saying is you need My words. You need My Word to keep your eyes on Me. So I just want to encourage all of us the, the, the one of the very most important things in life is the Word of God. Is Bible intake. Take in the Word of God. Uh, if, if you can, develop some kind of, try to develop some kind of regular habits where you read the Word of God on a regular basis. And, and as Rodney said this morning, don't despise the day of small beginnings. If all you can do is read the Bible for five minutes a day or five minutes several days a week, start there. But just remember, the only thing in this life that's not going to pass away is Jesus' words and, and our relationship with Him. And Jesus' words, the Bible, have sustained me in my life. And I, I just want to see you all prospering and doing well in the Lord. And the key to that is the Word of God. Just, just remember, Jesus' words will never pass away. We need His words. And so then Jesus says, Concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And what it means was, in His human nature, Jesus did not know the exact dates when these things would happen. 
Remember how in the book of Luke in chapter 2 it says Jesus as a child increased in wisdom and stature. In His human nature, Jesus had to grow in wisdom and He did not know everything in His human nature the way He does as God. That doesn't mean He doesn't know when that's going to happen. But He meant that He couldn't tell them at that point in His human nature. So then Jesus says, Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Notice how many times it says awake in that passage. Be on guard. Keep awake. Stay awake. Stay awake. Stay awake. So Jesus' word to us is keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay awake to Him. Don't let the tragedies of the world, don't let the, don't let the cares of the world, don't let the riches of the world, don't let anything, don't let false prophets, don't let anything distract you. Stay awake. Keep your minds on the Word of God because that won't pass away. And so I just want to just encourage you all, if you have not, if you have not turned to Jesus Christ, He is God. He loves you. He knows your future. He has good things in store for you. And He will help you and strengthen you and, and get you through all this world has. And I would just encourage you as we close, just call out to Him. Say, Jesus, I believe in You. I call upon You. Save me. Be my God and my King. So let's stand and let's pray. Thank You for bearing with me through the long message. Lord Jesus, this is an awful lot for us to take in. Just pray, Lord, that we would remember the basic truths You have shown us. That You know the future. You're in control. You have good news. You'll give us all we need. And You'll strengthen us and help us and get us through, Lord. And we just thank You, Lord. We, I, I pray for everyone here, Lord, who is, who is going through a hard time, a painful time, a struggle or suffering, Lord, that You would particularly help them. Help us all, Lord Jesus. And we just thank You that You are our God and our King and that You're coming back someday, Lord, and You will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And we will see that it's all been worth it. We ask in Jesus' name, Father. Amen.